WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. In the next hour, we'll guide you through Spartan Sports, your favorite Detroit teams, and beyond. Call in with your thoughts at 517-432-3893. And now, let's kick off another hour of Sports Talk. What's really good on this Monday night? It's the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hope you guys are having a great day. It was a pretty decent day outside today. I can't be disappointed in that. Um, welcome in. This is Dan Duggar. I'm on the Spartan Sports Wrap every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Joined, as always, by my outstanding panelists, none other than Dewan Simmons representing the D, the true D city of Detroit. What's going on, Juan? Nothing much, man. Just enjoying the weather, taking it easy. Absolutely. Brigitte, what is going on? Not that much, just trying to get through finals next two weeks. Well, I'm done Thursday, so congratulations. <laughs> Lucky you. Hey, what's going on, Steve? Is How many more shows do you have to, to you're off to bigger and better things? This one and one more. This one and one more. So that, that, that'd be two. That would be two. That'd be two. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we'll, you know, give you an opportunity next week. Maybe you'll, maybe we'll be hearing you. Maybe hosting the show. We'll see, you know, give you a little going away present. You know, I was kind of contemplating that, Steve. Oh, yeah, you know, you know, kind of sending you off with a little, uh, little opportunity, you know, a little tape of yourself. But you know, you're back, and you're going to be a boilermaker soon. So you know, we might as well have your last Spartan days be memorable. I'll still be a Spartan at heart. Yeah. So when they play Michigan State, who are you cheering for? Michigan State. Really? Wow. Yeah. You, he, he's going to be that guy that everyone's Eight. chanting profanities and, po- <laughs> and, po- and pointing to in the stands. Outstanding. But hey, top stories today. We'll get to that in a second. But I want to share. Coming up next week, I'm hoping to get this guest. He's a legendary coach here at Michigan State, none other than Gus Ganakis. Um, he expressed interest in actually coming on the show and talking about what he does now for Spartan basketball play-by-play, and he actually does the color commentary there with Will Teeman for the Spartan Radio Network, and we're going to try to get Coach Ganakis on next week because the Tom Izzo radio show is now over, which you know we were their main competition there on Monday nights. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, but we're going to try to go ahead and get Coach Gus Ganakis, men's basketball coach. He was there right before Judd was, so that's you know put you in perspective. But uh, this guy is just a student of the game to this day. He goes through game tapes. He explained all this to me when he goes on the road. He watches multiple hours of tape on the opponents and our and on Michigan State. So we're going to try to get Coach Ganakis at least on the phone for you guys next week. Um, that'll be next week as well as. Maybe some surprise guest. You never know who will pop out of that guest magic hat, you know, Juan. Maybe maybe it'll be Raymar Morgan. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll bring in Drew Neitzel, um, who's getting some looks from USA Basketball. So you, ne- you, ne- you never know. Um, but top stories, men's golf wins the 2007 Fossum Spartan Invitational. And our boy, who's been on this show before, Matt Harmon, wins his second Invitational slash, you know, meet tournament. tournament. Uh Second consecutive week. So big ups to Matt Harmon on his quest to have a career in professional golf. Um, Michigan State's Matt Harmon and Jack Newman um, were in a two-way tie as well as, or three-way tie, pardon me, with Jason Korkak of Xavier. So um, two Spartans playing very well, Jack Newman and Matt Harmon. Uh, But Michigan State as a team um, took it home. So you got to be happy with that. As well as the, I believe the, on the women's side of things, that the women took second place at the Ohio State, I think it's called the Buckeye Invitational. And so we've had Matt Harmon on, um, as well as with Sarah Brown last week. Here's one for you, Juan. They're dating. Wow. So there, there's an outstanding golf duo right there, here, yeah. right here at Michigan State. I wonder how, how their kid would golf. Man, you know... John Daly, Duvall, who, combine them all in one. I don't know, a little, t- little Tigger, little Tigger Woods, y'all. Hey, but this is a Spartan Sports Wrap. We're on every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Can't catch us. You miss us. It's www.impact89fm.com. Uh, the number is 517-432-3893. Um, before I move forward, I have to share my weekend with you guys. Okay, Juan? Um, I did not go to the spring game, and all of you who are gasping for air now saying, what kind of sports caster are you not going to the official spring game okay as a man who's still able to perform in athletics i played in the the spartan three-on-three tournament this weekend there you go okay we met we make it to the semifinals, and, and who do we match up against none other than massive jay cannon former basketball player here at michigan state as, as well as brandon darton and so i got a first-hand taste of how, just how strong jay cannon really is and, and how 
tenacious he is on the glass and relentless. Uh, this guy was clearly the, the nucleus of their team. Scored out of a game up to 17. I believe he scored about 10 of their points. Just just massive. I, could, I couldn't believe it. We couldn't hold him. And then that was a difference maker. His team actually went on to win the Sparties 3-on-3 for the trip to Las Vegas, beating former scholarship player DeMarcus Ducree's team, along with Vinny and Gabe and those guys, uh, for the title. And it went down. It came down to it. They won 17-15. to You had to win by two. They just pulled it off. So big up to Jay Cannon, former Michigan State walk-on, along with Brandon Darton, who win the, the 3-on-3 tournament, you know, the annual Sparty Spring Party. As they say, and boy, did was that the longest day of basketball in my life. <laughs> started at started at 11 a.m., didn't end till about 6:30 p.m. Played about seven games, six or seven games. I was dead yesterday, but nonetheless, we're here in the house. And uh, speaking of men's hoops, and uh, someone who's not necessarily dead but injured is incoming point guard Kalen Lucas of Orchard Lake St. Mary's. If you happen to watch the Jordan Classic, I believe it was on ESPN two this past weekend. You saw that Kalen Lucas went out of the game after a tremendous start. He had about five points, four assists, and three boards, and I believe just the first half. And he was a starter in that game along with Darrell Summers of uh, Detroit Redford. Uh-uh. Uh, uh, that's, uh, oh, what school is Summers from? I draw a blank right now. I can't remember. But Darrell Summers, we'll just say Darrell yeah. Summers of Detroit. They both started in that All-Star game, so big ups to them. But we're going to lose Kalen Lucas for an indefinite amount of time, which – is this necessarily a bad thing, Juan, with the summer to heal, or is this a summer to grow and to mature as a player? Well, I think, I mean, it's always bad to have an injury, but at the same time, I think this will really give him a chance to be a student of the game. A lot of the times it's hard to actually sit down and learn and absorb the game from from more experienced people when you're actually still in motion. But the fact that he'll be able to sit at practices from the sideline watch the developments and the schemes. I think it helped him make the transition a lot sooner because he's able to visualize the game before he's actually inside of it. If he was going to get hurt, it's better that it happens now where he's got the summer, a little bit of the fall to heal, and like Juan said, study the team, pick up some pointers and stuff. So it's better happening now than come tournament time. So is this the, is this that one injury that every player seems to have happened here at Michigan State that one foot slash ankle injury that every player goes through so maybe this is maybe it's just happening to Kalen a little earlier yeah it seems like it's become a tradition here that you know you have something wrong with one of your lower extremities if you're on the team so I don't know I think he'll bounce back um you know it's it's not really where he needs surgery so yeah uh, fortunately right that's that's what he said he said it quote it's tough but at least I won't have to have surgery unquote, uh, said Kalen Lucas of Orchard Lake St. Mary's, who will be coming here next year. And obviously he's not really a guy that's going to be counted on much. Yes, he's going to be, he's going to be valuable. Uh, but when you have depth in the backcourt uh, with Travis Andrew, just just going to be tremendous tutelage for Kalen right. um, from an All-American Drew Neitzel and a great, I believe, a future All-American in Travis Walton. Travis Walton is working so hard right now. The guy's trying to adjust his shot. If you ever watched Travis Walton play before, he kind of had a knuckleball. In his, in his jump shot. He's really trying to put a flick in the wrist and put some more rotation on that ball. So I've, I've seen this firsthand, and he's, and he's really putting a lot of pressure on himself uh, to become a better leader and a better scorer. So I think you're going to see great things out of Travis Walton in, in, in the near future, I'm sure. Definitely come Big Ten in uh, the regular season next year. Uh, but Del Von Rowe, as we reported last week, he did verbally commit to Michigan State University last Tuesday. So that is very exciting for us, but you, you can't really get too excited. I'm sure I'm sure he'll he'll sign his letter of intent, uh, but this verbal commitment um, is nothing official. It's it's just you know as much as Juan saying uh, that you know he's he's going to to Thailand or something. It's all hype. It's all hype. It's all for publicity at this point. Until he gets actually signs that letter of intent, I mean he could change his mind and flip flop as much as he wants. Absolutely, as a 17, 18 year old young man, I'm sh- I'm sure there's certain things that can change his mind, but I'm I'm positive that Tom Izzo and his staff are probably all over this kid. Oh, already have they? them lined up to for visits up and to play with the team and nonstop. I'm sure they're just gonna nonstop. hawk hawk this kid. Season tickets, the whole nine. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that you know Coach Izzo is all over this. Um, no word yet on who the new assistant coach is gonna be. I'm I'm not sure, and we know Stan Heath got picked up down in South Florida, so he's gonna be down there coaching. And you know, there's another branch of the Izzo coaching tree. 
Uh, along with, you know, we saw Doug Woji go down to Tulsa a couple years back. Now Boylan is out to Utah. So now we, now we think of some names, Juan. Um, do you do you see the, the do you think the number one guy is going to be Mike Garland uh, at the end of the day? Yeah, that should be practical. It should be his time to move into that slot to be the one one A type deal with with Izzo as his direct understudy. So I see him making the next transition and be the next person to branch off and, and go take over at the next big university. If you want to hit us up, it's five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three or Dan Duggar at gmail dot com. If you're a little shy and you don't feel like coming on the air. Dan Duggar at gmail.com or 517-432-3893. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. Uh, just a little recap. Men's golf, winners of the 2007 Fossum. Uh, that's Bruce Fossum after the legendary coach here, the legendary golf coach, that is, at Michigan State slash Spartan Invitational. Senior Matt Harmon wins his second consecutive tournament, although it was a three-way tie. Top the leaderboard, Matt Harmon just playing tremendous golf at the right time of the year. I'm sure the brilliant weather had some part in that as well. Uh, but big ups to both the men's and women's golf teams as they both played extremely well this past weekend. Same couldn't be said for the men's baseball team as they were swept by Minnesota. I believe they lost that last decision 12-2. to um, But let's not forget, we got a big week coming up in Mich- Michigan State men's baseball. Uh, we have the annual Michigan series coming up. And that two of those games are going to be played at Oldsmobile Park. I believe that's Friday and Sunday. Uh, Saturday's a doubleheader down in Ann Arbor. All those games will be broadcast through msuspartans.com by yours truly. So um, hopefully you'll be tuning in. Um, but that's where that will be found all the, all weekend. So, wow, I'm going to be doing four games. So I'm going to be out of breath, uh, let me tell you. But Delvon Rowe has verbally committed to Michigan State. Um, nothing That's not nothing official, um, but the letter of intent hopefully will be signed about what, early November? Yeah, early November oh. is the signing area. Early November. All right, sticking with men's hoops. Yes, we know Coach P is gone, but we'll get we'll get to that later because that's, you know, significance-wise uh, down the ladder. But Greg, <laughs> Greg Oden, Mike Conley, and Daquan Cook of Ohio State gone. Juan is Michigan State, the Big Ten's top dog now. Yes, without a doubt, they're the number one team in the Big Ten coming into the preseason, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say top five as far as the nation goes. Um, the core of players that they're going to have returning, they're going to have all aspects covered. The senior leadership, you know, Drew Nysel should be at least a second-team All-American at worst. So they're going to they're gonna have that strength. They still have that defensive core that they used this year to really put the pressure on other teams and, and force turnovers. And, I mean, the only other talent that you would have left would be possibly Ann Arbor with the U of M team would be the closest one to them. So... I see them posting a strong record. I would be surprised if they had more than than five conference losses this coming year. So you, you say you say the University of Michigan is going to be a top three Big Ten team next yep. year. I really believe that. Outra- outra- outrageous, <laughs> outrageous, Brigitte. Um, I definitely think Michigan State will be at the top because I think Odin took the heart and soul out of Ohio State's team when he declared for the draft. So not going to be any competition coming from Ohio, but um. We'll have the senior leadership, returning players with the new recruits coming in. I don't see why Michigan State shouldn't be able to be number one in the Big Ten. Absolutely. Hey, we kick it over to current Spartan future Boilermaker. Steve, what's your thoughts on the Michigan State with you know, the competition kind of diminishing now that the Big Three are leaving from Ohio State? Uh, I think we will win it, but it'll be a lot tougher than people think. IU is going to be really good. They're going to get better with their with Eric Gordon. Absolutely. Eric Gordon. And then Ohio State, even with losing uh, Greg Oden, they get their five-star seven-footer who shoots the uh, lights out on three. Absolutely, but the, we look at Michigan State. I, I can't I can't go against you. I really think it's going to be a battle between Indiana with the with the presence of the big man DJ White, who's clearly not going to the NBA, along with Eric Gordon. Uh, they've got a they've got a tremendous coach in Calvin Sampson. Uh, this team's going to be ready to go, and, and DJ White is, knows that he has to ball out if he wants to go to the NBA draft. Although he's 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 solid right now, he needs to be up there competing with I'd say Drew Neitzel for Big Ten Player of the Year next year, which is going to be tough for Drew because we see he averaged just under 36 minutes last year, and with the recruiting class coming in, uh, coach is obviously going to br- bring those minutes down to about I'd say about 31 mm-hmm. to about 31, and then we and but we think about it, a healthy Raymar Morgan who missed seven eight games last season. Uh, during a critical stretch when players really are getting in the groove and need to develop, he averaged double-digit points, just under 12. 
he he averaged five rebounds a game, and he's only going to get better. The kid shot tremendous from the field, 49%. Three-point, he started the season great, but obviously he's working on his jumper, and he's going to be one of the most... He's going to be one of the hardest players, I think, to guard in the whole conference. So with those two players, not to mention Goran Sutan, I think has is next year going to have that year where he's going to be that 10 and 10 guy. And then Marquise, Marquise Gray, if we can get him consistent and he's going to have a healthy summer, that's going to be huge for Quise that he has a healthy summer. And I know all, all these, they're, they're in individual workouts right now. So big, big men in, in guards, they're separate, but you know, they have what about an hour workout every, every three days or something like that with coach, whatever the, you know, NCAA law, law. law laws permit. Uh, but these guys are working hard, not to mention we're going to get the red shirt off of Herzog, and he's going to bring athleticism, shot blocking, and a true seven-footer down to the block. I can't I can't see Michigan State not winning uh, the Big Ten next year, not to mention a tremendous leader and stop lockdown defender in Travis Wall. Yeah, they're going to be solid. It's going to be down between them. Uh, Indiana should come back strong. Um, Illinois should piece together some type of some type of team as they always do but after that I mean Wisconsin has fell apart you know they was the class of the Big Ten this year Ohio State you know is falling apart that was the of course the class of the Big Ten this year as well so it's wide open and they're definitely the favorites absolutely with the with this being touted as one of the best NBA drafts since 2003 uh, we can see that you know people say that the nation on a whole will be down because all the talent that's going to leave. Well, I mean, we see uh, Wright from North Carolina declare what yesterday or yesterday. today that that he's going to the NBA. So, but clearly with Carolina's depth, they're going to be a top five program uh, with gutsy hands, bro, uh, returning, as well as um, I mean UCLA loses what a Flalo declared. Uh, m- maybe a mistake. I'm not sure. I don't think he's ready either. Uh, but but we but we get it. But we think and we, we see. Do you see any of these guys from the Big Ten, especially these three? Uh, Conley, obviously, I'd say leaving at the right time. You know, he's not pulling the quote-unquote Marcus Taylor. Uh, the kid balled out in, in the in the NCAA tournament, showed that he was the best point guard. And uh, the only question mark may be Daquan Cook. But yeah. He- yeah, it would have to be Cook. Uh, Conley, he's, he's smart for leaving right now because he's he's losing Greg down low, and that took a lot of pressure off him You know, this year. If he was to stick around, his numbers would definitely go down. He would have a lot harder time to, to accomplish the things that he did this year, and it would definitely hurt his stock. So he's riding that high wave as he's doing now. He should transition nice to the NBA, be somewhat of a TJ Ford type player is, is what they're, you know, tagging him as. Um, the only question mark is Cook. He was a little inconsistent sometimes uh, shooting the three, but he is a streaky shooter when he gets hot. You know, he could put points up in a hurry. He does have that athleticism and a little bit of limp, so he can defend on the perimeter. So, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think they're just definitely riding their hype right now. They didn't want to do the whole Florida thing and try to come back and just win college over and over and over again. Time to get to a new level and new challenges. Yeah, I, th- I think they made, they all, especially Greg Oden made the right decision, okay? Um, obviously, you've proven what you can do in, in the NBA game, and I think he solidified his number one slot. Although, I really like Kevin Durant a lot. This this kid has all the all the tangibles you like. He's he's quick. He's not quite strong enough for the NBA game yet, um, but we've seen weaker play. You know, quote unquote weaker players, probably players that could kick my butt like Tayshawn Prince. Uh, but skinnier players still thrive in the league as long as they're put in the right system. And then, and then we look. You know, certain programs are down. We know Florida's going to be down. We know uh, Georgetown. I really I really think Jeff Green may come back uh, to to Georgetown after he gets a feel of things. Uh, but clearly, uh, Kansas is going to take a hit with Julian Wright. Uh, but but definitely, Michigan State should rise to the top of the Big Ten. The number is 517-432-3893 if you'd like to chime in. Duggar at gmail.com if you're a little shy and you want to hit me on the email. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll break down the whole women's hoop scenario with Coach P leaving to join Coach K, the whole alphabet soup talk. Join us at 517-432-3893. Stay with us. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a gang member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. 
For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Exposure. More importantly, you're tuned into the Spartan Sports Wrap. It's Monday night. We're on 7 to 8 p.m. If you want to join us, it's 517-432-3893. If you're a little shy, like I said, the email is danduggar at gmail.com. Just shoot me a little email. If it's a question, a comment, and it's appropriate, I just might read it on the air. Uh, but back to our discussion, we're talking women's basketball here tonight on the Sports Wrap. Clearly this is some news that is a little dated, uh, but because of the setup of our show, clearly we're only on once a week. Um, we do with what we're given, and this is obviously big news. Women's hoops coach Joanne Palumbo McCauley dips to join Coach K at Duke. She's taking her entire staff with her, Juan. Uh, do you see this move as disrespectful to the Spartan community and the university? Um, I wouldn't say it's quite disrespectful, but at the same time, I don't see why she would make this decision. Um, I know they had a couple, a little bit of controversy uh, earlier in the year. You know, some issues did arise, but you know, she's really done a lot for this program. She's put this program on the map. Um, all your recruits are here. You 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 built a home in the community. You built the foundation here. I don't, I don't see why you would just up and, and jump ship and, and go to a program in Duke that, I mean, it might be a, a notch, half a notch ahead of you right now, but I don't see why you would go and, and want to, you know, be the head of their of their whole regime. Absolutely. I mean, just I was just playing a little devil's advocate there just because of the fact that um, she bolted a month, less than a month after signing the new contract that boosted right. her, ba- her base salary up $100,000. Um you know, plus incentives, so she could make upwards of six hundred forty thousand dollars a year. I believe it was was the was the figure there, uh, but that that's less than a month. And you know, all the turmoil about was she in Florida looking at the Florida job. You know, what did you know? What are about these other head jobs open? Um, the thing about it is, I think you know she was maybe a couple recruiting classes away uh, from putting together another Final Four run, and and when you go to Duke. I, I can't imagine them paying much more than half a million dollars to coach women's basketball um, at such a small institution. Uh, but, yes, you have the Blue Devil name and you have the history, um, mostly because of the men's side of things and Coach K and his, what, three titles. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, if it's your dream job, if someone says, Dan, you know, quit, you know, working at MSU Student Radio and, and go to, you know, ESPN Radio, you know, I'm gone. You know, look here. I'll see you later. But... You know, at the same time, if I was building something here that was was on the brink of being very, very, very successful, not to say that Joanne didn't build anything that was successful, um, I, you know, I definitely have to stick around and see what I, what what else I could do. It seems to me like it's totally disrespectful, just because she. It seems like she didn't get the results that she was hoping for in the tournament this year. And you can't tell me had she won a championship this year that she would have taken that job at Duke. It seems like she didn't get you know, the results that she wanted to yield. And so, you know, I'm just surprised she left, frankly, because she does have Alyssa DeHaan, who is going to definitely improve her game. A lot of good players that are still going to be around. And it seems like why would you want to take a job at Duke where it does need a little bit of improvement? And uh, it's just totally disrespectful, in my opinion. But when you when you look at the Duke situation, don't you think that she's just putting more, she's going to put more pressure on herself? Because winning a national title is going to be expected year in and year out. Yeah, but at the same point, you know, here it's expected to win titles too. But, you know, I guess, I don't know. It's a tough call. Yeah, because, I mean, if if it's true what she she says, and, you know, I'm not going to discredit Joanne P., uh, she says it was her dream job all along. Um, obviously, she wasn't Duke's first choice. Obviously, they went to, uh, I believe it was California's head basketball coach, uh, and gave her the first offer, so she was kind of a a one B or or a two or a two you know a two on the on the you know the scale of of attracted attractable coaches. Well, I guess you can't blame her. Like if she did say that this was her dream job, maybe she was only looking at Michigan State as a possible stepping stone to get her the credibility that Duke would finally offer her the dream job. But um, at the same point, just to up and leave the program, like you said, after a month of signing a new contract, 
She's she got a great recruiting class. Yeah, I mean, Ma- sure. Maya Johnson uh, is only is only going to be a junior next year. We got all, or we got Big Ten freshman of the year and Alyssa Dahan, who's only going to get stronger and better, mm-hmm. uh, in, barring injury. And I mean, yes, it was a disappointing is a disappointing tournament run. Uh, but when you in hindsight, you lose to a Rutgers team that made it all the way to the championship game. Um, a missed turmoil of you know the allegations pending uh, d- down in Florida with your husband. You know all this, all this controversy, all this turmoil, kind of leaving a sour taste. I mean, I can see, I can see the reasons why she'd want to j- just not really up and leave. But I mean, I saw her on campus today, you know, over at the basketball office. So obviously, she's still in town. I believe she's having a, a closure press conference tomorrow afternoon, two o'clock. I think is the time, uh, just to kind of answer all the last questions. But yeah, if if, if she grew up a, a, a young girl, obviously, uh, she played college basketball at Northwestern. If she if she you know she grew up with the dream to coach at Duke and you know congratulations to her you know right. if if that if that call came and you know obviously you got to take it regardless if you did you did sign that contract extension and, and the thing is I don't think that second that new contract kicked in until July first so obviously we weren't we weren't even or she wasn't even under terms of that contract until July so obviously she's still under the old contract so I'm sure the buyout clause was much smaller and. Duke's probably going to foot, foot that bill, and they're probably going to say, "Here's X amount to move your family out to out to Durham, and, and you know, here's a little probably a little signing bonus, right. and, and we're still going to pay you half a million dollars a year, and you're going to be coaching in the office across from one of the you know top three coaches of college basketball." Yeah, I mean, the reasons is, is definitely there to to go. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it's just one of those things. You have to make a personal decision. If you say that was your dream job and it was just one of those things that you always wanted to do in life, uh, when the opportunity come, you can't you can't knock it. I mean, you you never know when she'll get a chance to get offered a Duke job again. Probably never. So, if if that's what she actually wanted to do, it's, it's sad to see her leave. She was doing great things while she was here, but. As far as the disrespect thing, I don't know, because the programs, in my opinion, are both in the same position. They're both one or two recruiting classes away from winning. I mean, Duke had a fantastic year this year. They were undefeated, you know, the majority of the year. And um, it was just one of those things, like the tournament is unpredictable. That's why they play the tournament. You get hot at the right time. A team like Rutgers can put something together and win all the way out. I mean, that's that's the whole point of playing the tournament. So. You shouldn't really base your opinion on what you're doing off off of a tournament run. So, I mean, she's going to definitely have some questions to answer at, at her press conference. I'm sure people are going to stick a couple questions on her that she's not really going to be too comfortable with. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you. Absolutely, Joanne P. McCauley. She's she's a great coach. You can't you can't discredit that. 316 and 148 and 15 seasons combined, uh, Michigan State and Maine um, led Michigan State to five straight NCAA tournaments. Definitely took this program to to greater things than it was before and obviously at at a young age she's only 41 years old i could have seen her sticking around if you really thought about it she sticks around four more years uh she's here till she's 45 she takes the high profile job at 45 is there for eight to ten years and then it's it you know uh, how much more money you know can you can you really make Uh, absolutely so joanne p she's gone but now now it comes to a discussion of you know, who's the replacement? And I'm just going to throw this name out there. I'm not saying that, you know, I've heard things that this is going to be the guy or they're going to even interview him. Uh, but obviously, if you're familiar with Spartan history uh, and you're familiar with coaching right now, he's an assistant with the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Sam Vincent. So do you, do you see in any capacity that Sam would return to Michigan State to coach the women? I don't know. Anything's possible. <laughs> I think you'll really have to talk to Sam and have to see how he feels about actually heading up a women's program instead of being a great accessory like he is now for the Mavericks. So it's a lot of options. I mean, the the hunt for Michigan State is definitely on to get that replacement coach. I'm pretty sure it's a lot of people, you know, faxing over resumes, trying to get a bid in on the on the job because it is such a great position. So Yeah, and you have to feel for the players because in this particular case, Joanne P. McCauley took her entire staff to Duke, Al Brown, um, Amory Gilbert, and uh, she hired one new assistant after her previous assistant left, the former All-American at Tennessee. I can't recall her name. Uh, she left, I believe, to somewhere on the, in, the, in the ACC. I believe it might have been Virginia. Uh, but, you know, she takes her whole staff with her. So what are we left with? The director of basketball operations and some managers here at Michigan State. And, and the players are left, uh, you know, kind of, you know, left hanging out to dry. And so, you know, I kind of feel, you know, players here are getting shorted by, 
coaches who can just up and leave as long as they pay the buyout clause in their contract. Yes, yeah, it is kind of it is kind of hard, you know, when when you're actually sitting down and recruiting players and you and you're asking them for that commitment for four years. I think it's only fair that you're committing yourself to them for that four years. It's not fair for you to just, you know, up and jump ship on them halfway through. You know, they really left with no direction, like you said. The entire coaching staff all the way through is gone. So it's really a free-for-all, and it's it's going to put a lot of pressure on the team. They're really going to either have to come together as a unit or they're definitely going to fall apart. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Numbers 517-432-3893 if you'd like to chime in. Dan Duggar. That's me at gmail.com if you'd like to hit me on the email. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk some NBA playoffs as well as some NFL draft. We know that's right around the corner. I believe we're six days away, Juan. Uh, we're going to talk NFL draft and a little bit about the green and white game. And uh, we'll talk about who the Lions are going to draft. Stay with us. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Rep and on MSU Student Radio. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back into the basement. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Rep on MSU Student Radio. I'm your host, Dan Duggar, here every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m., joined by the finest panel of sports analysts in the greater Lansing area that you can find. But, more importantly, Kalen Lucas breaks his ankle in the Jordan Classic. He's a Michigan State recruit coming in probably within the next two months, so he's going to be out for an indefinite period of time. How bad will that hurt us? I'm not sure how much it will, as long as he can just get healthy and back to 100%. Uh, men's golf, winners of the 2007 Fossum Spartan Invitational. Senior Matt Harmon, who we've had on this very show, wins his second consecutive tournament. Delvon Rowe verbally committed last week, as we reported, um, but it's not official until he signs that LOI, that's letter of intent, come November. Um, Greg Oden, Mike Conley, and Daquan Cook of Ohio State have all declared for the NBA draft, I believe Mike Conley did not sign with an agent, but things are kind of shady when your dad is an agent. Um, a rookie agent to say that, but when Greg Oden, your, one of your best buddies, is with your dad, um, it's hard to see how things are, you know, how the you know eligibility is going to remain intact there. Exactly. We know Shannon Brown, you know, Shannon Brown did it the right way last year. You know, his dad footed the bill much of the way through those, you know, obviously teams bring you in for workouts and such, but, you know, traveling along, meeting with teams, meeting with GMs, um, but clearly, Sh- Shannon having a rough go of things with the Cavs right now. Obviously, you know, former Michigan State standout Eric Snow getting a nod ahead of Shannon. Um, but it's all part of the rookie growing pains. You know, exactly. we see we see Mo Egger down in Dallas. He, you know, he's he's you know I believe capable of playing. But when you're behind Greg Buckner and Jerry Stackhouse, the former league leader in scoring, you're going to waste your turn. Exactly, it's it's a tough situation. Turn. But you know, we're going to talk about the Mavericks. Yes, I know, I know they lost to the Golden State Warriors, but I'll tell you why and tell you how they're going to win the rest of the series. Um, but but before we get to that, of uh, football, twenty five thousand fans at the Green and White game Saturday. Uh, pardon me, I wasn't one of those because I was playing a three on three basketball tournament. Uh, you know, I got to stay athletic myself. Um, but are you surprised to see such a turnout, Juan, at, at the Green? I mean, this it's not Tuscaloosa where we're getting like eighty thousand, right. ninety thousand, you know, for Nick Satan down there. And, and I, you know, I say Nick Satan, you know, no pun intended. Uh, twenty five thousand. You impressed? Or is it people trying to just new life into Spartan Stadium? I think it's new life. I think people have you know bought back into the entire football program here with Dan Antonio. I think a lot of people were just interested in seeing what he actually had to offer and, and get a glimpse of it. I mean, our, of course, scrimmage isn't heavily touted like you were talking about at some other universities like Penn State's annual scrimmage or 
or like you were saying down there at, at Florida or what have you. So, I mean, I think I think twenty five thousand is a good number. It shows support. It shows that people are here and are backing the program and, and interested in what they're about to do this year. Hey, backup quarterback Connor Dixon completed ten to twelve for one hundred and five yards and a touchdown to lead the green team to victory. Juan, are you worried about your boy Brian Hoyer? No, I'm not worried. A scrimmage is a scrimmage. I mean, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. I know, I know. There, there's no ch- no chance, and you know what, that Brian Hoyer should lose his starting <laughs> spot to Connor Dixon. Um, because Brian, Brian Hoyer is obviously probably going to be more familiar, more comfortable, and have a higher learning curve within this new system, and his arm strength is impeccable. Um, you know, he make, he's a good de- he makes great decisions, I think. Right. And uh, his accuracy, like you said, superior to Drew Stanton, as Juan would argue. <laughs> um, but so 25,000 at the spring game, you got, you got to be impressed with that. But, uh, but I'm more impressed what, with what Hoyer had to say. Quote, Coach Antonio has instilled a whole new attitude. Everyone has embraced it. It's all about people doing the right things. We're focusing on all the little things. When we when mistakes are made, the coaches let you know it. Clearly, penalties and mistakes, something we had an issue with last season. So obviously, you got to like what Coach Antonio is bringing to the field. Uh, but, hey, Hoyer, Hoyer's team did not win, Juan. A green team guaranteed victory. Here, here's the underlying penalty. Uh, the winner's got steak dinner. The losers got like I believe it was hot dogs and beans or something. <laughs> so so your boy Brian Hoyer is, is going to be enjoying some some tube steak, you know, while you know number ten Connor Dixon is going to be enjoying that steak. But hey, we know we know Hoyer's going to be taking the stabs with the first team come the season, so no no need to, to you know to ride that. Uh, but obviously the green the green team wins, uh, scoring scoring four. They were the green team was actually up twenty one to zero at one point one. They they ended up winning twenty one to eight, but uh, they they scored on uh, Connor Dixon hit tight end Kellen Davis, who's obviously back with the team uh, for a five yard TD. Uh, then AJ Jimerson, who I who I really like out of St Louis, and Brett Kahn, a speedy speedy white guy. You don't really see that much <laughs> in the back in the backfield of the Big Ten. I'm telling you, this Brett Kahn, anytime, I believe he's number 24, because I remember any time this kid got in the game, this young man got in the game, this kid was just tremendously fast. Uh, they both had touchdown runs of two and three yards, respectively. Uh, but then your boy Hoyer came back to hit uh, T. Love, Terry Love, for a 13-yard TD. And uh, the walk-on Blair White even scored. So, you know, scoring for everybody over at the Green and White game. But more importantly, 25,000 fans at the Green and White game. So you have to be impressed and, and, and pleased with the community support of this football team. Obviously, uh, like we predicted, they may have a rough season next year uh, with you know adapting to, to new schemes. And hopefully you know we, we can defend the pass a little better and you know maybe attempt at stopping the run. Uh, but yeah, so big things coming on in football. Green versus White, this is our little debate section. Uh, we we trans we transfer our discussion from football to the NBA uh, because it is the NBA playoffs. It is, and it is uh, it is just you know what do we got game two coming up with Pistons tonight. Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three is the number. If you'd like to join in, Dan at gmail dot com. If you'd like to chime in in the last twenty minutes plus here, uh, Green versus White. About a year ago on this very show, we did have I wasn't the host, but we did have the same very Green versus White. Who is your NBA MVP, Juan? Well, I'm going to have to go ahead and take the same person who should have won last year, and that's Kobe Bryant. He's extremely efficient. The level of, of ball that he's playing right now is not rivaled by anyone. He's he's the single reason that the Los Angeles Lakers are even worth talking about. I mean, his his ability is, is just amazing. The shots that he was hitting just to try to keep those guys in the ball game. And, and try to at least give them some sort of victory. Brigitte, we're kicking it around the horn. Who is your NBA MVP? I think you already know. I'm going to go with Steve Nash again for the third in a row. Um, with the amount of assists he deals each game, points, rebounding, so speedy, just always has a good eye of the game. I just I can't see how you can't go without picking uh, him. Well, I really can't. Yeah, you can't. He <laughs> I cannot. You can. Steve Nash cannot play a lick of defense. I'll take Steve Nash to the bucket tonight. Okay, Steve Nash cannot play a lick of defense. When when you got Smush Parker, lowly Smush Parker licking his chops at you. Uh, when like Juan said before, when Devin Harris comes off the bench to light you up for, for thirty six for thirty six, give me a break. An MVP has to play defense. And don't tell me that you know Steve. You know Steve Nash is this this great 
great point guard who just makes all these people around him better. Do you know who's on this guy's team? One of the most underrated small forwards in the game, Sean Marion, along with Amari Stoudemire. Okay, these are not bums that are playing alongside of Steve Nash. Barbosa, are you kidding? Comes off the bench and averages 20 points a night. I think Barbosa Yeah, but who's giving them those assists to get those 20 points a night? Okay, clearly, yes, I can't argue with that. Steve Nash is having a tremendous career year assist-wise, but when it comes down to it, if you don't have tremendous talent and tremendous guys who can jump up and catch four or five alley-oops a game, are you serious? Steve Nash is not the MVP. See, I I could knock Steve Nash's assist a little bit just for the fact that he's the only person on the entire team who handles the ball. No other no other one single player out of any team in the NBA handles the ball as much as Steve Nash does for the shot clock. Nobody else sets up any type of play. Steve Nash will run one pick and roll, doesn't see what he like. He'll run all the way underneath the basket, run all the way back around up top, get another pick and roll. I mean, if you hold the ball for 15, 16 seconds off the shot clock, you're going to throw a single pass to the person who's forced to shoot it. So, I mean, you're going to have assists. And at the same time, Steve Nash leads the league in turnovers. No one ever wants to talk about that, so... I mean, his decision-making is good, but it's somewhat questionable at times. Yeah, he's such a defensive liability. I mean, it's, right. It's, un- if it's unreal. Points, if he gets points, he's giving them right back. I mean, he's the whole reason they believe that the Phoenix should play running gun, and if you score, no worries, we'll just score right back. because the seven, Like the right. seven-second theory. They yeah, he's, get he's, a shot up in seven <laughs> seconds or less. He's the leader of the team, and he knows he's getting scored on all day, so he's just accepted that and just runs down. And Trust me, it's that type of system. You put Steve Nash in a half-court system and slow him down three, three gears, not happening. He's not going to have the amount of assists. He's not going to look as good. He th- he excels in the open court. He's going to excel in transition. Um, you take any other premier point guard of this league, Jason Kidd, you take Chauncey Billups and put him in that same system and condition them to be able to run. Yes, we know Steve Nash has, has great endurance, but you condition those guys to, for that system, they will be just as successful if as, not more as successful. Steve Nash. How can you argue with Kobe Bryant leading the league in scoring? 31.6 points a game. Okay, he had 39. Yes, he went one, was it one for 10 in the fourth quarter. Okay, obviously they're going to throw double and triple teams at the guy, but still, Kobe Bryant is not my MVP. We'll kick it around the horn to the rook. Uh, first off, you can't have Steve Nash as your three-time MVP when he hasn't made it to the title game one time. Um, but my MVP is Dirk Nowitzki from the Dallas Mavericks. He is arguably the best player on the best team. And when you're that, you have to be the MVP. Yeah, it's it's tough because how it's how how are we defining MVP? If we're gonna say most valuable player, if you pull this player out of this situation, it, is it gonna it's gonna hurt that team the most? And in that situation, I will say Kobe Bryant. If you For pull, sure. if you take Kobe Bryant away from the Lakers, don't tell me you can plug Gilbert Arenas <laughs> in that situation. Don't tell me you can go ahead and, and plug a premier score like Carmelo or Allen Iverson. Into that situation, they're still going to be. Don't tell me you could put Steve Nash in that situation. Thank you. And the Lakers will still be anything worth talking. If if Steve Nash and Kobe Bryant flip flop teams, we wouldn't even have a conversation now about the NBA playoffs because the Suns would be eighty two and zero, and they probably wouldn't even want to play. Anymore. It would be uh, it'd be unreal if if Kobe Bryant was was on the Phoenix Suns. That's why you have to look at it and who is supporting cast, and it's not even supporting. You have an amazing All Star in Amari Stoudemire. You have Sean Marion, a recent article in ESPN, the magazine, talks about he's, he's the most overshadowed player. But he's amazing. The mate, this guy jumps out of the gym. Not to mention, like you said, Leandro Barbosa. What does he do? Comes off the bench for 26? Six man. He wins a, also wins the sixth man of the year announced today. So six man of the year goes, you know, you know, you, you know, Steve Nash just has all the assets working for him. But if you want to give it to the best player on the best team, you've got to give it to Dirk. Okay. Yeah, see, that's, that's, that's the only gripe about MVP. I think MVP is such an overrated award now. I think it should go to the individual who has the best year, regardless of record or, or team. Like You shouldn't say that that guy could come down and score 45 points and but grab does, But doesn't success, doesn't success and performance kind of go hand in hand? Or shouldn't they? You know, Kobe can go out and score 50 a night, and the Lakers are going to lose. But shouldn't team success also be coupled with individual performance yes it should but to a certain extent I mean it's a limit there it it comes a point where you have to evaluate the other people surrounding him I mean the NBA is very very competitive the difference between the 12th man and the first man is really one or two moves or one or two steps I mean it's not like you know the talent fall off is just that bad it's in the NBA one person no matter how good he is cannot beat five other people it's just it's just not going to happen so 
it's certain situations where you do have to say you need X amount of wins. You need, you know, so much success. But I think it's more important that how you win the games that you do win opposed to how many games you win, if that makes sense. Um, Kobe would definitely take over a game and wheel his team to victory. It's kind of hard for me to, to vote if I was voting for an MVP like Steve Nash, who never takes over a game, who never scores the bucket to get him over the edge, who who never... I think Nash did that once. once. He, he did it once just... in the Mavericks game at Dallas where he scored 10, 10 points, points in, in, under, in, a in under a minute. Okay, I'll give that to him. But one one isolated, you know, I scored ten points in in, a, in under a minute before you. Against <laughs> no, Dirk? No, I I wish. <laughs> but but we gotta look at we gotta look at Nash. Okay, yes, he's shooting the ball extremely well. But Dirk is shooting the ball extremely well, just you know, above fifty percent from the field, above forty percent from three. Um, but come on, he can't play a lick of defense. Are you kidding? And he's not made it to the to the finals. Okay. Can we can we please make it to the final, Steve Nash? Before you, we put you in a conversation of back to back to back MVP winners. Okay, if I can interrupt for that though, but what has Kobe done since Shaq left the Lakers? Though, when's the last time they've won a championship? When Shaq, or excuse me, when Kobe was just the leader of the team? Hey Juan, when's when's the last time Kobe has had D Wade on his side? Okay, that was Dwayne Wade's championship, not Shaq's championship. Well, see, this is the only thing, like. Like I I I have this conversation with people all the time. When you talk about how good individual players are, it needs to be evaluated on an individual basis. Like I would never bring up the amount of, or number of championships that a player, an individual player, has because that is a team award. It is a team game. Like example, the Chicago Bulls. Even though Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever, he always had a fantastic supporting cast. Before he got that supporting cast, he was getting bounced by the Pistons, by the Celtics, by the Lakers. He was taking his L's. I mean, you have to have a supporting cast in the NBA to get anything accomplished on a team level. So I mean, Kobe Bryant, in my opinion, does as as much as a man possibly can in the NBA to keep his team competitive. If Kobe doesn't doesn't win the game, he just ensures that they are competitive. Like even last night when he came down and had one for ten in the fourth quarter, he still had his team in a position from his first half play and in beginning of the third quarter play to be in a position to at least compete for that for that win in that game. But we sit if we sit wow, what a heated discussion we have about <laughs> the NBA MVP, goodness. But but when we stick with that discussion of the best player or that you subtract a player from the team and it hurts their team the worst. How come LeBron James isn't really involved in this? We know his supporting Good cast point. is, is I'd say, right next to garbage. LeBron's you know, team. albeit Larry Hughes had a you know a, a blue moon type game the the other night, but Le, LeBron's a guy averaging twenty seven six and six, and and obviously I think one of the right just underneath he's the one A to one B to Kobe. You know, underneath that, you know, there's not a player. I think you. I think Kobe's the most unstoppable player in the league right now. Um, but LeBron's right there. But if if you take LeBron away from from the Cavaliers, what are you left with? No, Larry Hughes. You kidding me? <laughs> Just not going to happen. But obviously, my my MVP's got to go to Dirk. I think that he's proved, despite losing in the first round to the Warriors, who we'll get to, are playing extremely well right now. Um, and I think a lot is it to do with their coach, their head coach Don Nelson. Uh, but you got to give it to Dirk. You know he's played he's played second fiddle to Steve Nash all this time. You just imagine if Nash was still in Dallas. You know what could have been what what could have been if Jason Kidd was still in. You know, what if Jason that, Kidd was still Dallas, in Phoenix? Dallas has shipped out some some, <laughs> some talent. Goodness, but the but the Mavs getting getting knocked out, getting their first game, losing the first game here, in in the best of seven against Golden State. Are you really worried, Juan, about about the Mavericks bouncing back, or is is Baron Davis just playing extremely well? Former Michigan State All American, Jay Rich, balling out. Not to mention you guys like got guys like Monta Ellis, and and Matt Barnes step Matt Barnes and the Mohawks stepping up. Do you, do you think that this could be one of the biggest upsets in the in what the last five to ten years of basketball? Definitely, definitely. Uh, Golden State plays that that awkward style of ball. They force you to play small ball, and and they thrive on the on the perimeter. So, um, I actually got a chance to watch the majority of that game, and Dallas struggled so mightily containing Baron Davis down low on that block. They had no answer for him. I believe he had 
something like 33 points, 14, 15 rebounds, and eight or nine assists in, in a game. I mean, out of your point guard, I, if he does that every night, you have to just accept that you that you lost. I mean, it's, it's nothing you can really do to to overcome that. But just the just the herky jerky type ball that they play up and down the court and. And it, it favors them. And Dallas, I think, definitely needs to be able to control the pace of the game if they're going to try to pull that out, you know, and pull out the series. 517-432-3893 is the number. Duggar at gmail.com is the email if you'd like to shoot me one there. Uh, but clearly Don Nelson made the Mavs adjust to his style of play. And when you when you take Baron Davis, strong as, as a brick, and you put him on the block, and you got little Devin Harris trying to defend obviously he's very quick but I, I won't go out and say he's very strong you know clearly you're gonna have a, a mismatch there and they just made the the mass play their style of play in, in the american airlines center is sitting there in disbelief that they ended up what losing by 12 and then the spurs the other one of the top teams in the west somewhat some part of me says the spurs beat themselves Okay, I don't think Tim Duncan's gonna play that bad again. Yeah, they all play bad games, truthfully, for San Antonio. <laughs> but I can't be I can't be happier for the Denver Nuggets. And in Carmelo and, and AI. I love it. I, I hope I ha I hope that I have the that the Nuggets beating the Spurs in seven games. See, as soon as that trade went through, everyone was saying, you know, no one wants to play Denver in a seven game series when the playoffs comes around just because of the explosiveness that they have. With, with AI and Carmelo, you never know how they was going to pull that together. And they finally got back healthy and got a chance to jail. They got AI back. They got Smith back. Um, too bad they don't have Kenyon Martin. You know, that would have been another key piece to them. But they're definitely pulling together. And, and San Antonio, they're going to have to do something quick because if they go down 0-2 to, to, to Denver, going back to Denver, it, it might just be a long series. Here's your update. NBA basketball, Detroit up 37-29 to early, I'd say midway through the second quarter. 5.50 left to go in the second quarter. Detroit up 37-29 to over the Orlando Magic. Tayshawn, my boy Prince, has 10 points for the Magic. Edo Turkoglu has 15, so we'll keep you updated. The Pistons do lead that series 1-0. to yeah, They should have sweeped them. And uh, Rashid, big big game so far. 8 points, 5 boards, 2 assists. The X factor, I'd say, for the Pistons. And that transitions right into our discussion of the East. Obviously, I think the Dallas Mavericks will bounce back. They're too deep. They're too strong. And they, they, they're too focused because they have that salty taste in their mouth after losing last season. And not to mention, you know, we got a couple Spartans and Kevin Wills and Mo Egger playing for the Mavericks. So hopefully they can get it done. I think they will. The Spurs, I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm hoping that the Denver Nuggets, because it's a great story with Carmelo and AI, that they can, they can make it happen and make it, I, th- I think, maybe even to the West Finals. Um, for, to the East, obviously New Jersey handled business, which I really thought Toronto was going to come out and win that first game. Uh, but I'm thinking Detroit wins in four games. Yeah. Detroit, I got Detroit to actually win the finals out of the East again. They they have too much, just too much talent throughout that whole lineup. And, and you still have your core, even though they lost Ben Wallace, they still have the core unit. Um, Chris Webber made a beautiful transition into the starting lineup as a, as a savvy veteran who who's quickly to defer the ball and set up other guys. They have McDyess, who was a candidate for six man coming off the bench, who who's fantastic in, in the minutes that he plays. So they have a lot of different weapons they could put out there and still minutes. Max Sale come in, you know, change up the pace, throw down some thunderous dunks here and there. So the Pistons, I, I definitely like them. They're the pride of the East. So does anybody else di- differ from Juan? I think the Pistons are truly the, the, the horse coming out of the East, and I think they've been overlooked all season and all and even into the playoffs. That they, I, if I could, if I picked an NBA final, an NBA Finals winner today, I just might have to go with the Pistons. That's that's a good yeah, choice. A good I mean, choice. it's a solid choice. You can make arguments. That that's why I'm very interested to see the NBA playoffs this year because you can make a lot of arguments for a lot of different teams as to who's going to win and, and how they're going to do it. Yeah, the Pistons out of the East impact players got to be Rasheed Wallace. Um, the dark horse. I really I really think that out of the, out of the West that that the Denver Nuggets are going to make some noise. I'm hoping that they can knock. What did they? Would have a second round matchup against Phoenix. Yep. Um. I mean, I was hoping the Lakers get it, get it done, um, but I just I just don't think they have it. Nah. Um, they they might give Phoenix a scare, uh, take them to six games, but I don't think they'll take them to seven. Um, they're the Phoenix Suns are they're a very good team. Obviously, they have an MVP candidate in Steve Nash, as Brigitte will argue for hours. <laughs> um, despite she has a crush on him, you know it's all right, it's all right, Brigitte. You're you're probably taller than him too. He's a little guy. 
Oh, you don't know, hate on him just because he's hey, short. <laughs> it's it's all right though. Uh, but obviously, I could see I could see Denver getting past that. Uh, great, that'd be just a, a game like one thirty to one thirty. Yeah, <laughs> that Denver versus Phoenix. But out of the East, I really don't see anyone giving the Pistons trouble, and, and I really think that's great. You know, being a being a hometown hometown fan, you, you can't be less than pleased that the Pistons are starting to play good ball. And that Chris Webber may just get a ring here, and and he may he may call it quits too when it's all said and done if he gets that ring. Um, so MVP Juan says Kobe, you can't argue that. Brigitte says Dirty Nash. Dirty Nash, you're gonna agree with. You get out of here. And, and the rook goes to Dirk, and I go with Dirk as well. Uh, so the vote is the vote is in. Dirk's gonna be the MVP. You know, it, but but here's one for you, Juan. A little a little scenario. Do you think do you think the league? And, and sports eyes of America still hold a little grudge against Kobe for the whole Colorado incident. Oh, of course, of course. They, they and then that's kind of what's barring him. You know, they don't want to. You know, I've argued this before on certain shows and in articles that, you know, the league doesn't want to quite reward Kobe this early after such turmoil. You know, the man, the man admitted committing adultery, and, and and I don't know if the league wants to put that on a pedestal so soon. Yeah, the NBA is very careful of. The, the one or two people that they actually promote on a on a league-wide level. And Steve Nash is such an easy guy to promote. Um, he has the whole international vibe that they're trying to push right now for being a Canadian. You know, they're definitely trying to expand the NBA. And they're even talking about playing games overseas and stuff. So that's one good plus for him. I mean, clean cut, you know, straightforward guy. You don't hear much about him. Plays soccer with the basketball during timeouts. I mean, he's, he's an easy guy to market. Never's in the headlines. You never hear him about, you know, incidents getting pulled over for drunk driving or or shootings or at the club, any of that type of stuff. So I mean, he's a, he's a safe bet if you're the NBA guy of who we're going to market and who we're going to promote to offend as least amount of people as we can. You know, Steve Nash is your safest bet. Absolutely, but you just can't give the MVP to a guy who hasn't won a ring yet. Anyways, on to the NFL <laughs> draft. Spartans are rising. Drew Stanton is slotted to the late first, early second round. Um, according to Todd McShay, number 40 to Miami. I could see that happening. Clifton Ryan saw him this weekend. Both, I believe both Drew Sant and Cliff Ryan are in East Lansing um, awaiting the draft. I'm not sure. Drew might go, um, but I I really wouldn't go. You know, Why sit around the green room when you can just kind of go out and relax? You know, Try not to think about it. Cliff Ryan, we look at Cliff Ryan, very underrated player. I think his size and strength will really boost this guy in the draft. He's 6'2", 305 pounds of defensive tackle coming at your quarterback. Although a bit slow, in the relatively slow, he runs a 5-1-4-40. Uh, he can leap about a 30-inch vertical. And, and here's one for you, 25 reps to 225. That's pretty strong. So clearly C- Cliff Ryan, I believe, is a little underrated. And whatever team gets him, I think he'll be a pleasant surprise for them. He'll, you know, I think he'll, he'll be a nice fit either at D-tackle or if he drops some weight, and, and continue, you know, change that strength, that rush end, yeah. But see, that's the only thing about the NFL. I mean, it's so many guys playing so many positions from so many places. A lot of people get caught up a lot of times in the numbers. I mean, you have to look more so at the player's character because it's a lot of football savvy that you can't really discover in, in numbers of how fast you run or, or any of that type of things. I mean, and no time in, in the NFL are you are you ever going to come out for a play and run an untouched, straight 40-yard dash as fast as you can without having to move left or right or around anybody. So that itself is already an over-exaggeration of, of what true speed is. I would rather have a guy with great start and stop speed like a Barry Sanders than a guy who just has a flat out, you know, if, if I get going, I'm gone type guy. To close the show, i got to read off an email from one of our faithful listeners, Shanna in Lansing. She says, Dan, well, i got to start off by saying you may not have lost a 3-on-3. You may have lost a 3-on-3 tournament. If you would have worked on your jump shot like Maya Johnson told you to do, <laughs> wow. I'm sure sh- I'm sure you tried your best. My thoughts on Coach P is that it was very disrespectful just because of the fact she could have gone about the whole situation in a better way. Uh, you know, like we kind of alluded to mm-hmm. a- as well. Um, so you know, clearly I have to listen to Maya Johnson and work on my jump shot. Juan uh, Drew Stanton, <laughs> he's, he's going to go late, first, early, second. I think uh, he's going to be either a, a bust or brilliant quarterback. I think in the in the NFL is is injury. History is going to hurt him. He's already had a torn ACL, separated shoulder. Inconsistency is going to hurt him, uh, but he's very versatile. He can make it happen with his feet and his arm. And and I think that if he stays healthy and excels, he's going to be brilliant. Uh, but but it's it's a, it's a roll of the dice with Drew Stanton. But I think at the end of the day, I take him as the number three quarterback, and, and he's going to be a very val- very valuable pick. The Lions 
trade bait. Please get Calvin Johnson. There's about four or five teams that are interested in that mighty wide receiver. Um, but I'm going to, you know, take a seat now. It's, that's, that's it, Juan. That's, that's all. I don't want to cut into Jeff Shoop's jazz spectrum. He's got four hours of beautiful jazz coming at you. Uh, for, the Rick who, for the Rook who has one more show, for Brigitte, who's probably going to be studying all week for, for her exams, and for Juan, who does not study, he's just, just naturally brilliant. And, and for me, I'm done Thursday. I'll holla at y'all. 517-432-3893. Write down. Call us next week, please. No callers today. Come on. Stay tuned for the Jazz Spectrum. His name's Jeff Shoop. He's going to spin it, play it, whatever he does with it. The Jazz Spectrum. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. It's the Spartan Sports Wrap. Thanks for listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in next Monday at 7 p.m. for more commentary on your favorite teams. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.